Another week without Terry. This is week freaking, I don't know, five? That is freaking week. Yeah. So, in in the spirit of Terry, I wanted to ask... Recovering monstrosities? Well, in your opinion, guys, what is the most terrifying monstrosity in 5th edition if it was real? Like in real life. <laughs> oh my god, Dan drinking it. <laughs> I legit just must sprayed Coke Zero across this table. Sponsor us. Sponsor us. <laughs> okay, so what's the most... Say it again, I was trying not to die. Okay, in real life, what would be the most terrifying monstrosity from 5th edition? Okay. What I get? I got a 19. I'm, I lost with a 15. Oh, yep. shit. There you go. I got an 18. What is the most terrifying? I will I will tell you, there are all sorts of things out there that would that are like vicious and horrible and ugly and nasty. But the thing. <coughs> Dan. <coughs> no, but I was done speaking. But the thing. Mimics. You think people have anxiety issues now? What about not being able to trust the fucking chair you're in? It's all about mimics for me. That like mimics, I'm thinking doppelgangers, dark mantles, cloakers, that that whole thing, right? Like that the piercers, anything that looks like something that it isn't. Yeah. But mimics with the ability to be anything. So I, I, I'm thinking of John Carpenter's The Thing, right? Where it could be anyone at any time, but it was also dogs. Oh, it wasn't like Thing, the hand from the Adams family. No, it also wasn't part of the Fantastic Four. Okay, but um. I, I just, I think that that would be terrifying. People would be, you think you have locks on your house now when you leave? You would have blast shields so that nothing would get in and mimic your pillow. And they would just get more and more creative as they evolve too. So you've got like toilet mimics yeah. at your most uh-huh. vulnerable. They're coming after your dangly bits. I dislike everything that you're saying, and I, I I am not comfortable with any of this. And but mimic that's got to be the most terrifying. Anyway, who rolled next highest, Dave? What's I did. Uh, I went with the abominable yeti, uh, just because. I mean, you're outside in the snow in the winter. You're vulnerable. Through. Like you don't have help. Well, it's not just that. It's the amount of sound that is muffled. You know, being in that climate, we need to record in like a snowfield. It's be- it would be better than this room. Yeah, it really would be. Yeah. But, um. You don't hear the bump, 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 bump. You hear. Yeah, and I mean, these things can detect you from miles away. They can smell you. They can hear you. They know what you're doing, where you're going, and they can sneak up on you. Like, they're just in an isolation, like, in a place where you feel isolated already. Now you've got to be watching for something. That is bigger than you. It's 18 feet tall. Like, I mean, they're three times bigger than an average man, right? So your average man's like six feet, 18 feet. It's, it's nuts. And, and even looking at them, they've got like that chilling, uh, gaze and they've got cold breath. They have a breath weapon. Yep. Right. There's, yeah. I mean, when you run into one of these things, you're fucked. You're yeah, they're just, just, they're just, they creep me out in an already potentially creepy scenario. Yeah. There's something particularly horrifying about just being out in like, the cold isolation um, of the winter, just being up. And I know that you like to go hunting and you, snow doesn't stop you. But when you're in a log cabin on the other side of the mountain where there's no one around for dozens of miles and suddenly you you hear footsteps, that's got to be the worst. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it goes back to like even when we were doing the Call of Cthulhu, uh, the Great White Hunter. There was a baleful us. howl. 
No, but really, the yeti yeah. howling through the, yeah. through the mountains would be terrifying. I mean, it's it's more than just what it can physically do to you. It's what it can do to your sanity as well. The cabin fever aspect of it? Yeah, I mean, even though you're in an open area, you're still claustrophobic. The other thing that I like about the Abominable Yeti is the fact that it's not just, like, you hear it howling out there, and you're like, oh, it's a Yeti that's, that's you know, nearby. And then it sounds really, really, really close, but you can't find the Yeti, and it's still getting louder and louder and you don't have just a regular one this thing is coming for you mm-hmm. right yeah man i get that that would be that there's there's no amount of safety indoors from this thing either right no it'll it'll bash through walls in order to get to livestock like it'll yeah you're not hunt, you're not hiding in your tent no <laughs> there's there's no safety um see you went with top of the mountains and you went inside your house i went for below sea level let's let's do like a swampy the frog hemoth. For me, if I'm walking through, like we live in an area that has mountains, has kind of all terrain, but I work in one of the areas here that has a lot of swamps. And the idea of just walking to work one day and all of a sudden a, you know, 20 foot tall, three eyed mouth with tentacles erupts out of the uh, street next to me, swallows me whole and disappears before I have a chance to realize what's going on. Just terrifies the hell out of me. Um, there's so much about a frog hemoth. The, the, the long range, the tentacles, like it, it is nightmare fuel. It is probably some of the close of the monstrosities to Cthuloid in terms of like horror. And that's not just because of tentacles either. It's and that, because of the weirdness. It's of it. weird. It's aquatic. Despite the like goofy name of it. Yeah. Despite <laughs> the goofy name. Um, but yeah, no, uh, <laughs> frog hemoths are massive. They're terrifying. They are nigh unkillable. They are a thing you, you know, the old saying, you know, it doesn't matter how fast you run when you're fighting a bear. It's making sure you run faster than the, the guy friend, beside you. The guy yeah. beside you. Yeah. That, that's what a frog hemoth is. Yeah, you don't Just, have to outrun the bear. You have to outrun your friend. Yeah. 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 I got to outrun your friend on this one. Like it's. It's yeah, this thing's coming for you. Yeah, a hundred percent. And they're always hungry. I also like the idea that that they can act as a smaller problem as well. Like the tentacle can like reach in through a mail slot and get you. Like it's it's yeah. not just the big beast of like the abominable yeti. Yeah, is going to bust through the wall, but the frog hemoth is going to come into the duct work. Yeah, you seen Deep Rising? Mm-hmm. It's like that. Like if a frog and an octopus had a baby. Frogtopus. Welcome to It's a Mimic with your DMs, Adam, Dan, and Dave! Welcome to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, the roundtable Dungeons and Dragons discussion, where you never know what you're going to get. I'm Adam, and with me today are Dan and Dave, uh, and today we're talking about monstrosities. This is our very first episode uh, the, in our series that we're calling Port Leos. <laughs> Her. You guys suck. I miss Terry. Anyway, so um, where we're starting to look at the big bads, we talked about the mobs for an entire year in year one. Year two, uh, we are, we're starting to look at the big, nasty bad guys, your tier four uh, guys that are going to really fuck you up. And that's what the yeah. mo- these monstrosities we're talking about today are. We went from the army of small things to the army of one. Exactly. So, But what is a monstrosity? 
it's a it's a monstrous beast. Okay, it often has some sort of magical power or spell like ability, and they tend to be low intelligence. Although that's not necessarily true. Nope. There are some that are very intelligent and that have high wisdom or high charisma. But as a general rule, they tend not to have a language, or they've got one of those languages that's only theirs that like they understand it, but they can't speak it. For example, so um, they're pretty ferocious as a general rule as well and they're about killing and murdering and maiming and and eating it's all about the food chain with these guys right so um they're pretty common they're one of the most common of the monster types monstrosity is there each one of the of the smaller monsters will be uh, either more or fewer of them depending on how prolific they are some of them are even playable races what like minotaurs yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, uh, centaurs as well yeah. now. Um, but uh, they range um, from similar to some common animals. Um, like the, the, the cave dweller is really just a, a really big bug. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also go like super freaking bizarre. Like like we talked about the cold open with the frog humans, right? Yeah. So um, they're, they can be hard to look at. They're so ugly sometimes, or they can, they don't necessarily challenge your sanity like an aberration does, but you don't really want to have one of these guys as a pet. You know what I mean? So, um, there are over 80 different monstrosities in fifth edition to date. 79 of them are in the bestiaries. So there are a shit ton of them. Mm-hmm. Between the Monster Manual, Volos, and Mordenkainen's, we get 79. And then, you know, they have three or four um, unique creatures in the back of every um, campaign. Yeah, there's, there's a few in the back of Salt Marsh. There's a few in the back of uh, um, Avernus. Yeah, but there's some in, in um, Tomb of Annihilation and in Curse of Strahd. Every yeah. one of these, these adventure um, books has more because they needed to create something. And almost every one of them has an additional... One or two monstrosities as well. So they're absolutely everywhere. And you can usually find them on the prime material plane, but I'm not kidding. They're everywhere. These are not like celestials that aren't going to be hanging out in like Gehenna. These guys can show up depending on which one. You're going to find a monstrosity on every plane. In every, on the ethereal plane and the astral plane, like there are tons. Yep. Um, and they're usually outside of um, civilization. They're in the wilderness. Although, again, it's not always true. Some, like, uh, cloakers and doppelgangers are very much in society. Yes. And blending in. So, um, they go from CR 1-8 to CR 17. They're, so, they're encountered at every tier. Although, some monstrosities are found even beyond that in the epic tiers. Beyond level 20. So that's CR 21 and above. These are known as Titans. And that's what we're covering today. Yeah. Now the DMG says, I I had to look this up. Because I'm like, what the fuck is a Titan? Because a Titan used to be a kind of creature. Like it was just, it was another kind of angel. It was Titans like Greek mythology. Yeah. Now those are called Empyreans. And Titan is a subclass. And here's what it says in the DMG. I'm going to just read it directly. Titans are the divine creations of deities. They might be birthed from the union of two deities, manufactured on a divine forge, born from the blood spilled by a god, or otherwise brought about through divine will or substance. Cool. Yeah. But I got a question. Isn't that literally everything? Would not elves then be titans? 
because they were they sprang from the blood of Corallon. Yeah, but they're also humanoids, so they're going to focus on yeah. So, humanoids. but it it doesn't say that they have to be monstrosities. Yeah. Well, all of the all of the I, I know the ones we're covering today, and for the vast majority of Titans, the, they're still all gargantuan creatures. Uh, yes, as a general rule, the um, I mean, they can be smaller. I mean, there's as we're going to talk about, there's the Kraken, but also the juvenile Kraken is yep. is huge and not gargantuan, right? Yep. So, um, but yes, we're thinking big, big, big. These these Titans are huge. They're not all monstrosities. Some Titans, like the Empyrean, is still considered a Titan. Okay. And cool. there are some creatures that are up in the epic level tiers that you think should be Titans. But aren't. And have been directly created by gods or demon lords or whatever. But they're not considered titans. They're considered fiends or celestials or whatever it is, right? Yeah. So, um, the merit, for example, is just a construct. You'd think it should be a titan, but it isn't. Um, so, uh, the three that we're going to cover today are the Astral Dreadnought, the Kraken, and the Tarrasque. So, guys, we each chose one um, before... We did our research. I want to roll off to see what order we're going to cover them in. Okay. Um, before we get started really quickly, that's the order that uh, uh, of like danger with them too. The Astral Dreadnought is CR-21. The Kraken is CR-23. And the Tarrasque is CR-30. It sits at the very top of what's published. I mean, that's God-level power. That's more than God-level power. A lot of the time, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, when you get the stat block for Tiamat, she's not level 30. Nope. So, um, the difficulty, the, the craziness of trying to fight these guys, it's it's nearly impossible. It's over the top, and you're not going to be able to take these on without a significant amount of research and prep as a party. So, let's roll initiative um, to see who's going to pitch what, and then at the end of each section... We're going to talk about uh, a couple of unique ideas we have for the monsters. Yep. So this is going to be a little bit different, the the format of this episode. All the portfolios are going to be like this, all right, where we kind of pit monsters against each other. And at the end of the episode, I want to know which one is your guys' favorite to use, okay, in a campaign. Not necessarily the most powerful. I mean, it's written on the stat blocks anyway. Yep. But which one is your favorite that you want to inject in your next campaign? All right. I got an 8. I got a 17. I got a 16. All righty. So I'm going to start off with uh, the Astral Dreadnought because I got to go first, and I'm better than you guys. Well, so, the Astral Dreadnought's better than us. Yeah. So the Astral Dreadnought is – look, they come from the Astral Plane, and they appear suddenly out of the mists in the Astral Plane. Mm-hmm. They are consistently hunting and moving around. They've existed since the beginning of the multiverse, and they attack Anything that they encounter. In previous editions, they used to be guardians between the planes. But now, because we've gone from the Astral Sea back to the Astral Plane, it is very much just these gigantic hunters out in the mists, the swirling mists. And they're so big, it just looks like the mists get dark in that region for a while. Because, again, gargantuan. These things are coming at you. They're not aligned, which means they're not evil. They're just hungry. They're just there. Yeah. These guys are as big as an ancient red dragon. They're covered in thick, gray, hairless natural armor and spikes. Their top half is almost humanoid with a head, face, and two arms. But the arms end in massive claws the size of small buildings. And the hideous faces that they have have one cycloptic eye and a massive maw of jagged teeth that are always seen um, by their disturbing rictus grin. They never close their mouths. 
they're always slavering and 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 dripping with saliva as they come at you. If they are over top of you, you get wet before they kill you. Their bottom half is more of the same spiky armored gray flesh, but it trails off behind them like a slug. These things are Gross. nasty. Like oh yeah, these are these are nightmare. This is like this is something that would haunt your dreams. If you saw one of these come out of the mists at you and then disappear, you think of the paranoia that you would have just in the mists. Anyway, so they've got a bunch of, of uh, mechanics. Um, they're found in Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes. And I'm going to go through this really, really quickly. They've got a shit ton of hit points, but because, of course, they do, they're CR 21. Their AC is 20, which is not as high as I thought it would be, but you really want to hit this. And repeatedly over and over and over again. Yep. Uh, their speed is only 15 feet around, but they fly 80, which means they slug along, but they can swoop down out of the air, out of nowhere. You think about how thick those mists are. Suddenly, this thing is on you and is gone again. That's pretty good for a creature that large. Like, that's... That's a movement Legitimately speed. terrifying. Yeah, yeah. This is not just big. It's fast. And they hover. So they don't even have to be on the ground. You're, you're, anything you have that's generating difficult terrain is ignored. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. You're they're, not slowing them down. Their strength and con are through the roof, which is what you expect, but their charisma is stupid high too. Their wisdom is a little bit above average. Their dex is below average. It's not tanked, but it's, it's not great, which is going to be really helpful for a lot of these fireball spells that you're going to be throwing at it. Um, and its intelligence is low, so low that it has no languages. Um, it's got a couple of decent saving throws. Considering its wisdom is so low and its dex is so low, it's surprising that those two are the ones that get the the boosts, the buffs. But uh, that just means that they've got a lot of good saving throws. So um, they've got a decent perception. And, of course, at this level, they've got that damage resistance to the standard non-magical damages everything does by the time you're cr21 so that's not really wrecking your group too much no no not at all by this level by the time you're going to run into one of these even if you're running into it early level 17 you've got shit to fight it right however it is immune to charmed exhaustion frightened paralyzed petrified poisoned prone and stunned dear lord so you're not taking this thing out of battle it's coming at you yeah and this is a you can run, but you can't hide because his perception's high and is still probably faster than you. The way you're getting away from this is to split up. That way it'll only eat one of you. Yep. It has dark vision of 120 feet and passive perception of 19. So it knows radar. you are That's there. crazy. Yep. So here's where it starts to get stupid. Let me go through what... It, oh, and it's a legendary creature. Okay, so... It gets legendary actions and legendary resistances. It has an anti-magic cone, which uh, its open eye can create uh, like an anti-magic field spell in a 150-foot cone. So, yeah. This is the thing that makes me think these are just beholders gone crazy. I feel like whoever made these also made beholders. Yeah. Like, they, they have a little bit of a beholder with that one central eye, big greening, uh, grinning maw. And, like, there are spikes and stuff coming off this thing's head. The, like, way, that, the way the eye stalks do. The way the eye stalks do. Like, this thing feels to me like someone made the beholder and went Oh, I can do more bigger. with this. Yeah. Bigger. Bigger, meaner, and more physical. Yeah. We don't need more eye stalks. Let's give it lobster claws. Yep. So, um, so you can blind it. 
Okay, that's not one of the things it's immune to. And if it's blinded or uh, its eyes closed, the anti-magic field doesn't work. Yep. Um, it is also uh, considered an astral uh, entity, which means it cannot leave the astral plane. It can't be banished or otherwise transported out of it either. Which oh, means, wow. Yeah, which means all of it's your... It's here to stay. Yeah, it's... it's literally bound to this plane of existence. So, so the Astro Dreadnought, what you're telling me so far is that this thing is, it is here, yep. and you are going to fight it, and you do not have a choice. That's there right. is no easy out. It is a fight. Yeah. Uh, also, its weapon attacks are considered magical. Of course and if yep. you are projecting uh, with the Astral Projection spell, then you have that silvery cord. You can go listen to our Astral Plane episode, right? Um, but the, you have that silvery cord that comes out of the back of your head. And when it, and if it's cut, you die. Yep. Uh, it can, if it scores a critical hit against you, by uh, any means, the Dreadnought can cut the target's silver cord instead of dealing damage. Instantly killing them. Instant kill. No save, no nothing. This I, is one of the two reasons that it is considered a CR-21. Allow me to tell you the other crazy batshit part of this, because this thing does not have a normal stomach. <laughs> Any creature or object that it swallows is going to be transported into a demiplane that can be entered by no other means except a wish spell, or this creature's um, visit ability, which is one of its legendary actions. You can leave the demiplane only by using magic that enables planar travel, such as the plane shift spell. The demiplane resembles a stone cave, roughly a thousand feet in diameter, with a ceiling a thousand feet high. Like a stomach, it contains the remains of the dreadnought's past meals. The dreadnought can... So I don't think it has an anus. That's what I'm getting from this. The dreadnought can't it's be... It's weird that that's where you went first. Oh, I was going to the anus first, Dave. Yeah, uh, um, the the dreadnought can't be harmed from within the demiplane, so you can blow up whatever you want here. You can mold earth at this stone cave that you're in, but it's not going to hurt. You're yeah, not, you're, you're not cutting it. your yeah. way out. No, if it dies, the demiplane disappears, and everything inside it appears around the corpse. So you're not trapped there forever if it dies by accident. Mm-hmm. But but the demiplane is otherwise indestructible. That's amazing. I especially love the fact that these things are ageless. Yep. They have swallowed a ton of crap. Now, can you just imagine your party finally gets through the slog of killing this thing? You know, everyone's beaten. You probably lost one or two party members. 500 Gith Yankee come out. And then 500 Gith Yankee come out pissed off. Yeah. They're cannibalistic because there used to be a thousand of them, but there's no food in there. Yeah. And it's stone, so you can't grow it. But it's also the Astral Sea. There's flowing rocks everywhere. These things don't close their mouth. So also, here's a 20 by 20 foot boulder. Yeah. Bam! <laughs> well, I mean, I think they probably do close their mouths. It's just like, they don't have lips. No. I think their teeth they are going to... But but look, I haven't gotten to its actions yet. <laughs> it has three attacks with multi-attack. Uh, one with the bite and two with the claws. The bite is a plus 16. It's got 10 foot reach and it's 5d10 plus 9 piercing. If it's huge or smaller and the damage reduces it to zero hit points or it's incapacitated, then it's swallowed. So remember, you are auto swallowed if you hit zero hit points, which means the cleric can't help you. The swallowed target, along with everything it's wearing and carrying, appears in, a, in an unoccupied space. Of, on the floor of the Astral Dreadnought's demiplanar dungeon. 
It also gets two uh, weapon attacks with the claws per turn, plus 16 to hit again, reaches 20 feet, and you get 3d6 plus 9 slashing damage. Yikes. So 5d10 uh, plus 9, and then two 3d6 plus 9 around. And you're going to hit. Yep. Right? With a plus 16, you're going to hit. That paladin with the, I have 24 AC, because I min-maxed the shit out of it. Doesn't matter. I have to roll above an 8. I've got a, what's the math on that? 65% chance of hitting you. That's crazy. And it has legendary actions, which, I mean, it still has the, it can take three legendary actions, um, choosing from the options below. It can only use one at a time, and it regains them at the start of its next turn. So it makes another claw attack. That's one of them. Here's one, the Donjon Visit. Um, I, I hate that it's Donjon, and it pops up in 5th edition all over the place. Why can't we just say Dungeon? Is that's that what, what that is? That's what it means, yeah. The, yeah, when you, the deck of many things, when you pull the Donjon card, you get transported to a dungeon. We must go to the Donjon. Oh, I know. And I wonder if this is some medieval spelling or something from the past. I'm right? curious about that too. Like, I, I, I don't I know, I don't know the origin of this is, but it makes me, like, twitch a little bit. You're looking it up then? Yeah, I'm gonna look it up. Okay, so, um, it can cost two actions. One creature that is huge or smaller that the Astral Dreadnought can see within 60 feet of it, needs to save on a DC 16 Charisma save or be magically teleported inside the Demiplane as well. If it can see you, bang, you're gone. <laughs> At the end of the target's next turn, the target reappears in the space it left or the nearest unoccupied space that so that space is occupied. So you just got a quick little visit there, but you do go there. So here's what's interesting to me is this is not a spell. Because he obviously has the anti-magic cone up from his eye. And he's got to be able to see you within 60 feet for this to work. So this is just something it does inherently. It's weird that it has planar travel. And, like, built into it. And yet it can't leave the Astral Sea. This is why it's it really does fit the idea of being a Titan. The last thing is that it has a psychic projection. Um, each creature within 60 feet of it must make a DC 19 wisdom save, taking 2d10 plus 4 psychic damage, or half as much as an, on a successful, um, successful save. So um, it can just do psychic damage too, which is the last thing that you're resistant to, that and force damage, right? It's hard to come across those in 5th ed. So this thing is just handing out damage every round and then swallowing its victims. And if it's sick and tired of the barbarian hitting it, it is going to use a legendary action to just force a charisma save, teleport him into the demiplane for a round, beat up on everybody else, and the barbarian comes back, at which point it can do it again with another legendary action because a round has gone by. So it can effectively move some, remove someone from the battlefield repeatedly. This thing never stops being a threat. And it's if it can see you. So it's going to see the wizard. It's going to, which means its eyes open, anti-magic field, nothing you can do about it, no counterspell. Bam! The heavy hitter, the evoker at level 20 is now in its stomach and just sits there for a round as it swoops in, fucks up everybody else, and then drops the wizard back. It disappears into the mists. Wait six seconds and does it again. This yikes! This thing deserves its challenge rating. It uh, honestly, I think it should be higher. Uh, the only well, I, normally when I see stuff like this, I'm like, well, the action economy doesn't work in your favor. A level twenty fighter gets five attacks, so on and so forth. Right? It still has the action economy and the movement. And sure, go ahead and hit it. It has a million freaking hit points. 
right? You're not using your special powers on a on a reaction that flies by you. Seventeen D twenty. Yikes! Yeah, that's crazy. Yep. Plus one hundred and nineteen. Right. So there are. This thing is just. It's it's brutally brutally effective at what it does, and I would say that there are probably very few of them in the astral plane. Yeah, these aren't an everyday occurrence. This does not go on a random table that you're rolling. This this is the thing that the Githyank. Well, no, I I think it is a one hundred on the random table because this is a because you might happen across the one of legend inside of this area that even no, the Gith who no, live in this area fear and flee from will abandon their cities, their nesting pools, will abandon all of the, their portals, everything to get away from this thing. No, I'm saying when you are level seven. This is not on the random. Time. Oh yeah, yeah. When you're okay. level seven, no. So when you're level twenty, maybe like tier four, maybe. So that way you can plane shift out or wake up or whatever it is. Just like, yeah. oh, I'm just noping out, right? Because you cannot fight this thing, and if it knows you're there, it's coming for you. Yeah. So I looked it up real quick. Uh, donjon is different from the word dungeon. It's actually where we get the word dungeon from. Yeah. But uh, it's French. And it is the innermost keep of a castle. It is not, uh, it usually uh, infers a tower type of thing. So, a uh, above ground locked away keep or prison is what a donjon. So, Rap- Rapunzel. Kind of Rapunzel like. Rapunzel would have been locked in a donjon, yes. Uh, English brought in the dung part of dungeon, which was to imply something buried excrement, like that kind of like subground thing. It's also a word that's popular in any sort of hell reference, yeah. as in underground. So that's why a dungeon is underground and a donjon is like this locked away prison that is un Okay. Un- I, you know what? I, I like that, sure. Yeah. Cool. Anyways, do you guys have any let's uh, let's roll initiative. Uh, I want to know, do you guys have a set piece encounter that you would use this thing 100%. for? 100%. 13. You're going first. Nine. Okay, so... There's not a lot of creatures that you could fight on the back of in D&D. Yeah. Okay. That's where I'm starting with this uh, okay. one. Okay. We're covering two of them today. And one of them is the Astral Dreadnought. I see you having a fight on a floating astral dreadnought as it goes through the uh, astral sea, doing what you need to do uh, to kill it. And it's got such a thick hide made of stone and, and um, you know, just... It's not stone. It's like armor plating. Like armor There's plating. spikes coming off of yeah, all over. So, right? so it's an environmental issue where you're fighting on it and you have these spikes. And you are fighting, I don't know, maybe some gith who are grabbing you and throwing you in front of it to get swallowed up or trying to engineer a way to get you to be seen by it, right? Well, I think it's got to know that you're there. It's passive perception has picked it up. Uh, yeah, but I would have it where you it's somewhere on the slug tail it can't reach with its claws. It looks like this yeah, is how you right? could involve your level 7 party with one of these without actually Yeah, it as an environmental It knows you're piece. there, but it knows you're not a threat. Okay, okay. So, but here's here's my thing. Okay. I hear what you're saying. And yes, this guy, he's beefy. You, this guy lifts. You can look at the picture and be like, yeah, man, the dude focuses on his glamour muscles, definitely. Skip leg day, though. Yeah. So he doesn't... He skipped he, leg everything. <laughs> this is, I think this is the first time we've ever made a gym reference, and Terry isn't here. Um, and, and Who's so, Jim? Who's Terry? <laughs> um, so 
I feel you're right. He's probably not reaching back to hit you, um, but he's going to definitely turn upside down and shake yeah, you off. Yeah, dude can fly. That could be part of it, like a, a initiative order uh, twenty is as like a quote unquote layer action. Yeah, it's an environmental issue. He's going to try to shake you off. But remember, you can't be swallowed unless you are at zero hit points. Yep, that's the thing. Which means, oh man, at five d ten and then three d six and then three d six again with the plus nines, that's a minimum of of what thirty. That you're taking, right? If you get hit three times by this thing, you need to be higher levels to even yep. consider encountering this thing. But the other thing I love about it, just even as not necessarily a combat set piece, because a lot of these three things I don't want to fight in a D&D game, to be honest. They are they are threats to a vo- uh, to avoid. Right, so you're you are trying to find ways around these, not to directly confront them. Yeah, to get through the encounter and gain the experience. Yeah, you're not having to kill it. You're, so, yeah. so what I would do is with the astral dreadnought, it stores all this stuff inside of its donjon. You need something from in there, and you know you're not killing it. So you know the only way in is a wish or by getting dropped to zero hit points, getting swallowed, whatever you need to do to get in there. So um, there's also aspects of that that I would I would try to play with um, with these guys. I freaking love Astral Dreadnoughts. There's so many things you could use with them. Um, and they are way too under CR'd in my opinion. But that's me. Yeah, you see, okay, Dave, you rolled next. Yeah, so on the second page where that covers Astral Dreadnoughts, there's a little blurb at the bottom that I really latched onto. It says, Astral Dreadnoughts exist for one reason, hubris. Not the hubris of mortals, but the hubris of gods who deem themselves too mighty to be approached and looked upon. I like the idea of using its stomach donjon as kind of the gateway to get to the god. It's how. So it's a Trojan horse. Yeah, you you got to hide inside of it to get there. You use it not as an encounter, something to fight, but something that gets you to where you need to be. Yeah, and I thought that was kind of a, an interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There there is some lore on it. I mean, it's got Titanic nature, which means that it doesn't require air, food, drink, or sleep. Which is uh, considering that it's always hunting and will attack anything. It doesn't need to eat. Um, so I wonder if it ignores small creatures. It'll just ignore the halfling and go after the Githyanki ship nearby that it senses. Um, the other thing that I didn't really touch on is that these things were created um, by Theras Dune, who is one of Dan's favorite gods. Yeah, I love that guy. Uh, he's known as the Chained God. And they're, they were meant to discourage people from plane hopping through the astral plane. Um, that's that's standard. They used to be guardians, and now they're they're not. They're just straight up hunters, just forces of nature to be reckoned with. Yeah. Um. So the uh, did did you have a did you have a big set piece fight or anything that you wanted? Not particular. I just like the idea of of using it as. Somewhere to hide. Yeah, somewhere to get you past. I mean, gods are crazy. They can see you from miles away. But maybe if you're hiding inside this extra plane. It's scry-proof. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this thing would 100% be scry-proof. Even from gods. And it, it, um, you know, it's an agent of the god. Perhaps you can use this to your advantage Mm -hmm. to, you know, spring a trap. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, you have to go like strike a deal with uh, a god who owns one of these in order to assault the keep of another god who is, you know, the, the focus of your campaign, right? To get in there to get something, right? Yep. Okay, so my, my big thing about it, which I think 
we didn't really touch on. These things are hunted by the Githyanki, although the Githyanki are rarely successful. Yeah. Right? So they will go out on these hunting parties to kill them. But I'm sitting here going, why? I mean, they don't procreate. They can't make more of them. There's a set number of them. And if they die, that's it. There's no more coming. So the population only shrinks and never grows. But they're so powerful that it rarely shrinks as well. So there's a finite number of them. And maybe the Githyanki just need to get rid of them. But you remember the Githyanki have these silvered swords that can cut through anything. And they're called silver swords, but they're not actually made of silver. Yeah, they're like this weird metallic What if? Stuff. What if that is... Inherently, it's made in the melted down carapace from the claws of astral dreadnoughts. And the big set piece here is you need to go kill one and harvest its claws. Cool. So that you can now cut the cords of anyone who is coming to get you. No, no, that's, that's badass. That also really fits. Um, yeah, no, I'm 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 a hundred percent on board with that. They, like you know, at level fifteen, that eventually you'll have to do this in order for you to get to that final fight at level twenty. You need to have this, so you spend four or five levels, no sessions, levels, building up to being able to take one of these bastards on, right? Mm-hmm. And remember, if you get swallowed, you are making death saves because you're at zero hit points. You're making death saves, and anyone else who comes into this realm with you is also making death saves and is unconscious. So there's no help unless you have a zealot barbarian who's technically at zero hit points. But so would get swallowed, but would still be awake. Yep. Right. And he's got one round now because he's going to lose his rage and die in a moment. (laughs) Right. So he's got to show up, force feed you a potion and hope something inside the dungeon is going to, is going to destroy him. He's going to keep hitting him and, and he'll keep fighting. Right. Yeah. This is getting swallowed is like, Oh, so you're not actually dead and you're not in the stomach and man, it's not good though. It's not good. So anyway, I really like the astral dreadnought. I think that, that this was a, I was, then when we were doing the astral plane episode and you were like, Oh, and then the Astral Dreadnought, I'm like, stop talking about it. So I, I, I want to talk about this guy. Yeah. He's one of my favorites, and he's just, he just looks evil. A lot of things look creepy or undead. This thing looks evil. And I know it's unaligned, but it wants to fuck you up. Okay, cool. So uh, let's cut to a commercial before we do the next one. I think it was, uh, was it Dave that rolled next highest? Yeah. Hey guys, Dan here with It's a Mimic. I'm here with Adam, and we have a couple exciting announcements to throw at you guys. Yeah, we have a couple new social media sites that we're really happy and excited about being a part of, including TikTok, and we have our own uh, subreddit now, which is r slash It's a Mimic. Yep, we're also starting a second channel that is going to be live play focused. It's going to be our actual play stuff, so it's going to be where you can find all of our old Call of Cthulhu, our Wizard's Tower, our Christmas special, uh, as well as future projects coming down the pipe like a new Call of Cthulhu? Yes, we've got a couple of fun things coming with Call of Cthulhu uh, this year and we're already gearing up for it. So anyways, we've got these two channels, we've got this new social media, but what we would really like is to ask you guys for a little bit of help. We don't have a Kickstarter, we don't have a Patreon, we don't have a GoFundMe, we have a dinky little donations button down on the bottom of our website, but we're not even asking you for money right now. We're asking for your voices. Yeah, so word of mouth is super important to get the word out on the new channel, the new social media outlets that we're, we're 
engaging in now. So if you could do more than just lend us your ears and lend us your voices as well, whether it's on Reddit or through our regular Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is, cross posts, links, whatever you can do to give us a hand here would help a lot. We are eternally grateful and that's why we want to give you guys more of a voice as well, which we talk about in the shoutout and the campaign builder. And we'll be moving forward with more interesting ways of audience interaction as well. So again, thank you guys so much for listening. And I don't know about you, Adam. I'm really excited for year two as we're moving on here. Yeah, I really think. <laughs> <laughs> God damn you. it, Adam. So I've got the Tarrasque. I think the Tarrasque is probably the biggest, baddest of all of these. Of course, it's challenge rating level 30. But I mean, you really feel it. When you look at the Astral Dreadnought, uh, it, I mean, the experience from it gives you like 33,000 experience or something. The Tarrasque gives you 155,000. <laughs> I, at this point, I, like, like you're, you're fighting this thing after you give a shit about experience. Yeah, you're not. You don't care. But I mean, just think of like that. The difference between them. That's that's huge. Everyone can tell that you're from three point five because you care about experience. That's monstrous. I get it because it's a monstrous. Hey, good job, Dan. You're, you're doing, doing a terrific. hell of a job. Yeah. Uh, so the Trask is. I mean, if you've been playing D and D long enough. You know what a Tarrasque is. Uh, I've tried to build these into a couple of campaigns that I've done uh, because they have a reputation. Also, they have a reputation for being difficult to pronounce as well. A lot of people, I've heard by multiple people called a Tarrasque. Weird. Oh, yeah, I know. And we just inherently know that because of all of our experience. Oh, this is a Tarrasque. But I've run into a lot of new players who don't know how to pronounce this. This is one of the things that they Is that a with. French thing, though? I don't. It's because Q-U-E, we go K, and they... Like not necessarily. Tarasque. <laughs> Tarasque. <laughs> uh, so I mean, the Tarasque. It's not really known where it's from. I mean, you compared to some of the other ones, you know that they're going to be coming from certain places. This is almost mythical. Uh, it, most people think that it comes from the the core of the the earth. It, it dwells underground, and it nobody no really knows when it's going to come back to strike. It goes away, slumbers for a while. People forget it, it actually exists. It becomes a thing of myth and legend until all of a sudden, oh, fuck, here it is again. Exactly. It comes back and it's, oh, holy Guess shit. who's back? Back, back again. again. Terror asks back. Call your friends? No, literally, all of them. Call all of your friends right the fuck now. Get them here. You need help. No, leave. Don't Don't even try. No, yeah. Leave, <coughs> leave your friends to die. <laughs> uh, I mean, these things, they have a strength of 30 which is crazy. They have a constitution of 30, which is crazy. Their dex is only 11. I mean, they're big. Their wisdom and charisma also. Yeah, but but that, yeah, all three of those are standard stats, though. Like, that's still, a, we say that that's average, but it's still better than most peasants get. Sure. But, I mean, it makes up for it. They're really dumb. <laughs> With a three intelligence. And, again, they're, they're, they're borderline animal. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're primal. Um, they've got a blind sight of 20 feet and a passive perception of 10, which I thought was kind of interesting. You can't really sneak up on these things. The passive perception, though, means that you can sneak up. It just, it's going to know that you're there even if you're behind it. That, it, does, it doesn't have eyes, right? Like it that's. Does. Does it have eyes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're just kind of tucked away. Oh, yeah. They're just tiny But guys. based on the size of it, comparatively, yes, they're tiny, but they're like, they're bigger than a man. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yep. Uh, they're immune to fire, poison, and then, of course, non-magical bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. Uh, they can't be charmed, frightened, paralyzed, or poisoned. I love that they can still be stunned. Yeah. 
the one other thing I really liked about them were they <clears throat> I just got the mental image of like one lone monk going up ha make a constitution save it's got a 30 it's got a plus 10 but know what it rolled really crappy you stunned it that monk He's the shit at his monastery for the rest of time. Oh, he's a legend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The guy who stunned the Trask for six seconds. <laughs> By <laughs> punching him in, like, in the toenail. Yeah, they call him Toe Stunner. <laughs> he's the one who grabs the, you know, Trask's hangnail and starts pulling it back oh. into a river. Oh, not not again, Dick? Stop! <laughs> Tired of you. <laughs> the other thing that, that, we, that you didn't mention, Dave, is this thing's got a movement. It's not slow. No, it moves 40 feet around. Yeah. Well, when you're, you know, the, the walking mountain range, yeah. Yeah, but still, there's a lot of large creatures that only move 20 feet. Like, it, large tends to mean slow in D&D terms. Am, am I the only person who, every single time in the past when I've thought of the, the Tarrasque, I'm not thinking biped. No, no. In my head, he's on all fours. He's on all fours. Uh, but I, I but, think it's one of those things that is biped, but it can run at you with all fours. Yeah. Um, like yeah, that's creepy too. It, with this thing, it kind of feels like the. Uh, sorry, Adam, because I know you hate this movie, but like the the um, advanced dinosaur from Jurassic uh, World. Oh, I like the Jurassic World movies. Okay. This what's it? This feels like the thing that they created to draw more interest to get them more people in the park. Yeah, it's got the long arms, it's everything else, but it is inherently a biped. I feel like it drags knuckles. I feel like this thing is is an ape with a tail and sharp everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. But I mean, like it's it's gait, it's walk is that of like an ape. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, one of the interesting things that it lost between what I'm used to, 3.5 and 5th, is an ability, I think it was called Rush, once a minute, yeah. it could move 150 feet around. Yikes. Yikes. Right? That's that's what I mean. Like, it kind of gets down on all... I'm sure it had it, and then Jeremy Crawford said, no, we don't need to see our 35 creatures. Take that shit away. I mean, that's <laughs> crazy. I mean, that's most of the... That's the size of most of my battle maps, right? Yep. You're, you're not... You're going to have to make some adjustments. The, the, the Tarrasque goes where the Tarrasque damn well pleases. Oh, it's that <laughs> joke. Where does an elephant sit? Where it wants. Yeah, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, anyway, what else you got, Dave? Uh, so it gets some legendary resistances, three a day. If it fails a saving throw, it can just choose to pass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah the, the, um, all the legendary the creatures, they got that yeah. going for them. That's, and all these things that they're going to be legendary right off the gate. Oh yeah. I mean, but I mean, that's still like, that's ridiculous. Like it just, it, it undermines what your, your sorcerers and your wizards and everyone else are trying to do. As someone who traditionally plays fight, uh, fighter type characters, good. Okay, yeah. Then you go to toe to toe with this thing by yourself. There. Well, I mean, that's all you can really do. But it only gets three a day. It only gets three a day. So, like, you you want to throw three spells at it first, right? Yeah, Anyways. and then you can get in there. Uh, so, anyways, this is a big scaly biped. Uh, it's about fifty feet tall, seventy feet long, and it weighs hundreds of tons. It carries itself like a bird of prey. So, like you said, you know the what is it? The indomitable Rex. Yeah, is that what it was? Uh, it kind of leans forwards. It uses its tail to balance. Uh, and it has... Uh, its mouth is big enough to just eat things and swallow them whole. Yep. In addition to its legendary resistance, it also gets magic resistance. Because of why not? Right? I mean, it, who doesn't need advantage when making saving throws? <laughs> yeah, right. Right? Uh, it also gets a reflective carapace. Now, this is what I really like about it. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's pronounced carapace. 
in Italian? No, the Canada Pace. There we go. You got to get the the hands. Yeah, nobody can see you making the fist somewhere wherever Terry is right now. He is screaming Canada Pace. <laughs> that's that's what I strive for. <laughs> we so, want- so it's it's got the reflective carapace. Canada Pace. <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, anytime it is targeted by a magic missile, a line spell, or a spell that requires a ranged attack roll, roll a d6. On one to five, the Tarrasque is unaffected. On a six, it reflects it back. Is this it's still unaffected? Yeah. Is, is this one of the only times where a magic missile doesn't automatically? No, there, 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 no there's a couple ways. There are about three or four in fifth edition that Dan's right there. A couple others. But this one straight up is, I think, the only creature that innately gets this as an ability. Otherwise, you need a spell. Okay. Yeah. Makes I sense. just, I just love how it's a. If it's targeted by a, a spell, specifically like a, a well, damaging spell, roll a d6. On one through six, it's unaffected. But on a six, you're eating it back. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's no recipe it's just like, for success. It does not take that damage. Move on. <laughs> the thing, you know why they did this, right? It was because the traditional way of killing a Tarask in 3.5 was get a bunch of people with Wands of Magic Missile on flying carpets and just pepper it from a distance. Stay far enough away and hit it with Magic Missile. And now there's this. Yep. Interesting. Uh, the other neat thing is that this is a siege monster, so it deals double damage to objects and structures. So it's just going to come and waltz through your city walls. It's going to uh, rip that stable in half and eat all your horses. Like, it's just... I mean, it's, it's a CR-30. It's huge. It's, it's ridiculous. Yep. Uh, for actions, it gets multi-attack. It can use its frightful presence. Uh it then makes five attacks with its bite, two with its claws, one with its horns, and one with its tail. And then it, it can also use its swallow instead of its bite. This is the response to the action economy, right? It, it does six things, frightful presence and five more, right? Like, that's just stupid. Well, its bite is a plus 19 to hit, a 10-foot <laughs> reach. Uh, it does 4d12 plus 10 damage. And you get grappled. Yeah, which the escape is a DC 20. Uh, until it, the grapple ends, they're restrained and it can't bite another target. But, I mean, it's just going to swallow you whole... Next round. Next round anyways. Yep. So that doesn't well, matter. Even on that round. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, it's claws. I mean, again, it gets two of these. They're plus 19 to hit. Yep. So it has... you you, you got to roll a one to not. For most. For, for most. For most yeah. things, right? Like, I mean, even my level nine... You know, Barbarian on a good day has 19 AC. It's just going to waltz through. I think the most you can get is 28, and you've got to engineer your whole character towards that. The, like, normal, like, what's considered not breaking the game and engineering it, you can get up to, like, 24, 25 AC in 5th edition. Most people will never crack 20. Yeah. So it's fighters that have taken a couple levels in this and a couple levels in that and have this cast on them and so on and so forth, yeah. right? Uh, the claw, as in addition to 19 hit, nineteen to hit, it does 4d8 plus 10 damage. Oh, and a 15-foot reach to, like, yikes. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. I know I keep saying that over and over again, but, like, it really is. Well, this is the singular most powerful statted-up monster we have in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, hands down, burn yeah. down. So it also gets a horn attack, which is again plus nineteen to hit. It does forty ten plus ten damage, and it's ten foot reach. Yeah, you're not getting gored by like a minotaur here. You're getting gored by a 
by a bus. Yeah. I really feel like there should be, and you're prone at the end of this, because it knocks you the fuck down with a headbutt. Yeah. Tail, plus 19 to hit. Uh, 20 foot reach, 4d6 plus 10 bludgeoning damage. If the target is a creature, it must succeed on a dc20 strength save or be knocked prone. 40 feet away. Like this, this 20 feet. No, 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 no. 20 feet away, I'm saying, like, if you get hit by this thing, not only are you not prone, you should go flying. Yeah, you're getting, like, tail whipped across yeah. the room. I mean, based I, on I, rules, no, it doesn't happen. I like the but idea of it's not hitting you and knocking you in a lateral movement. It's just it's smashing you. down. It's a yeah. whopping willow hit, right? Yep. Uh, it's got frightful presence. So each creature of the traps. Yeah, this is the same as all the dragons have. Yeah, dragons. Right? So I'm not going to really deep. Yeah, you don't need to do a it. deep dive on this. But 120 feet and a DC 17 wisdom, right? Yeah. Save. That's yeah. and, and it's standard stand for uh, standard frightful presence shit. Yeah. yeah, last 24 hours that kind of thing. Uh, now it also swallows. Hey oh. <laughs> Continue, please. <laughs> Yeah, keep going. <laughs> uh, the Tarrasque makes one bite attack against a larger, smaller creature that it is grappling. So it has to be grappling it already. Yeah, which the bite does. Yeah, so uh, if the attack hits, then it takes bite damage, but it is also swallowed, and the grapple ends. Well swallowed, you are blinded, you are restrained, uh, you have total cover against attacks and other effects from outside the Tarrasque, and you take 16d6. Acid damage at the start of each of the Tarrasque's turn. So, I use the Tarrasque as a model for anything that can swallow something else. Now, I don't always do that level of damage um, from the acid damage. And sometimes, if it's small enough, if it's like a large creature, like a roper pulls you in, tries to eat you, I will give it a swallow mechanic that does like a a bludgeoning damage because it's crushing you and stuff. But... I'm always looking for a swallow mechanic uh, in D&D because the bigger creatures don't automatically get it when they really freaking should. And so I always turn any, to the... Tr- any gargantuan creature should really be walking huge. around with a... Any huge creature should. I don't think necessarily huge because huge has like that upper limit of 30 feet tall, which is big. Yeah, I get I'm it, sorry. A giant should be swallowing a halfling. <sighs> A hill giant should pick up a halfling and try to swallow. And I know it's the, like 12 feet and whatnot, but they should try. And it should be difficult, and they I, should try I'll, to choke I'll, you I'll down. I can see that point specifically because hill giant. Yes. But, uh, like... But Chief Guh? Like, Chief Guh, 100% should be eating. But, I mean, Shambling Mounds should be enveloping as well. And so anytime I need to do this, I come over to the swallow mechanic on a Tarrasque. This is, this is where I look, because... Yeah. I think it's really solid. And there's more to it. Sorry. Well, yeah, if you deal 60 damage or more on a single turn while you're inside of it, it will regurgitate you if it fails a DC 20 con save. That's hard to do. It is, especially it's a, I mean, considering its constitution, it's not a ridiculous save for it to make. Oh, no, it needs to, it needs to roll a 10 or above. But I mean, that's still 50-50. That's not bad. Um, and you have to do 60 damage to the AC 25 creature. From the inside. From the inside, right? Like, it still has the same AC. Yeah. So, but then you get puked up and you, what, within 10 feet and you're prone. Yeah. 
Uh, also, if the Trask dies, a swallowed creature is no longer restrained. It can escape by using 30 feet of movement, and it exits prone. So, I mean, if it dies, you're not trapped in there forever. The muscles relax. You can... I love that you exit prone, though. Like, you are crawling your way out of it. You're not walking. Despite its size, it's still like you're pushing your way through its esophagus. Mm-hmm. You are coming out of a reverse birth canal on this. So... Yep. Uh, it also has... Legendary actions, there's three to choose from. Uh, you can do an additional claw attack or tail attack. You can move up to half your speed again. Or you can chomp, which costs two actions, where the Tarrasque makes one bite attack or uses its swallow. So they're good legendary actions, but I don't think they're groundbreaking. I don't know, man. The ability to straight up swallow somebody on not your turn. Yeah, you bite, and so you hit and scrappled. And you, it, before they get a turn, you can swallow them. That's the power. The the bite thing, I'm, sure. I'm not sure I'm going to use two actions to get in a bite, unless it's my turn as a as the Tarask next. So I swallow as part of the my standard uh, multi attack, right? Because that's an option in there. So it's the fact that you can double that shit up that makes it so terrifying. I like the fact that you can get the entire party swallowed by this thing, taking 16d6 acid damage around. Yeah, there's... there, you, And that's not to hit. You're just straight up killing bitches. Yeah. And who is immune, or who's resistant to acid? Black Dragonborns. That's it. There's very little that gets acid immunity. you got to go hunting that. Yeah. But even then, they're still restricted, and they can't... Much well, no, the restrained only means in fifth edition. Restraint just means that your movement speed is zero. That's it. Okay. You get your all. You get your actions. You can cast spells. You can do. It, it's when you get into incapacitated and prone. That's when you can't do stuff. Now, here's a question, guys. It says to escape from it. Um, the Tarask has to take sixty or more damage on a single turn from a creature. Yep. Um. Oh, it actually does clarify. Cool. The trash that must succeed and regurgitate all swallowed creatures. Yeah. So all you need is for one person to do 60 damage. It's not 60 uh, damage collectively. It's one person needs to do 60 damage for to trigger this. Yeah, on a single turn, not in a single round. Yeah, on a single turn, yeah. Yeah, but when do you when are you going to do uh, like more attacks when it's not your turn on the inside? Well, you have uh, there's quite a few classes that'll let you do reaction attacks and stuff like that as well. Right, but reaction attacks to, to hit an enemy that's um, yeah, okay, I get like Battlemaster does it, that's what you're saying, but yeah, you can't just straight up use your reaction to hit this guy because he's not like normally under normal circumstances you can't do it because he's not leaving your threatened space. Uh, this this isn't the point I was I was trying to make. It's that if you have one or more people in there, yeah, all it takes is for one of those people to do sixty damage to it for all of them to get regurgitated. Yep, right. Um, and it failing a save horribly, but but I mean, what can do consistently sixty damage in a go? There's a couple of things, but there's not a lot, especially because it is straight up immune, not resistant. We kind of glossed over this. It is immune to fire and poison. Those are the ones that stack quickly. 
you're going to rely on lightning, but you don't get 60 damage unless you're rolling really well on an acid attack yep. or on a cold attack. Those don't exist out there. You may get the odd necrotic because you have your finger of death level shit. You're depending on your melee classes for the 60 damage in a round you, from the inside. Yeah, you really are, but it better not be from a non-magical weapon because they're immune to that too. If you're fighting this thing with a random longsword that you picked up on the road on the way to fight the Tarrasque, you deserve to die. <laughs> you have spent a campaign finding the weapon that is meant to kill it. Yeah, you had to get it out of the stomach of the astral dreadnought. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that is what builds up to this. So, uh, yeah, look, I think this is absolutely fantastic, but you're going to be relying on your champion fighter for that crit to get to 60. That's the point, right? Yeah. So, that's... Or, or you know what? Your rogue with this... Will a rogue get advantage... Uh, uh, no, but they would have to be a mastermind rogue or something like that enabled, uh, in order to get that sneak attack because you will be at disadvantage when you are blinded. You have disadvantage to attack when you're blinded. Yeah. Okay. There you go. So you don't, you don't get your sneak attack. Um, but if you're like an inquisitor rogue, it says, even if you have disadvantage, you get your sneak attack. Well, I'm so, sorry. I don't give that to the inquisitor rogue. Cause isn't that the one where you have to study it for a round? Uh, that's a bonus action. Not a round as a bonus. action. Okay. How are you studying when you can't see? So I know what you're saying about disadvantage, but you still need to be able to see it to study it, right? Fair enough, yeah. Um, unless your your character's blind and studies by touch already, then I'd give that to you. But I'm not going to let you feel the stomach to, to study it for a bonus action, right? Yeah, you get that for free anyways. <laughs> you can feel the stomach all around you. Against That's your, why it hurts. Against your face. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you guys have a set piece you want to use this in? Let's yeah, roll? absolutely. Natural 20. Natural 10. 10 4. I got a 4. Yeah, you got a 4. Um, I don't know why I want to use these things as things you mount and move around on. You want to mount everything. Because Terry's not here and you got to work that out of your system. No. Uh, so I like the idea, and I, I have played this where there was a city of kobolds that lived on top of the Terrasque, uh, and uh, it was a full on siege um, that we held over this keep and then the keep started to move as they woke up the Terrasque and it started to move away um, doing stuff like that with the Terrasque is brilliant it's CR 30 even if you are a party of 6 level 20 characters you do not stand a chance did you guys see the hit dice it's d20 hit dice yeah 33 d20 plus 330 that's, that's freaking amazing that's ridiculous it's this thing is just, it's got a thousand hit points. It can, yeah. Yeah. If you roll so, high enough. So, like, don't fight the Trask. Just don't. Just run from it. Run run from it. Point it, it it's bestial, and it's dumb as a bag of hammers. So, point it towards something and hope it doesn't, you know, change its mind. Yeah. Right? My, yeah. Like, th th this is very much a, uh, you've, it is an environmental threat when it is this thing. There are some monstrosities that are not. This is an environmental threat more than anything else. I have a question. So, does enlarge reduce stack? If no. I cast reduce and someone else casts reduce, no, it absolutely does not. Uh, I know I would run it as a no. I don't know if there are any limitations based on the spell, um, but it would seem to me that no, because like spell effects hardly ever stack in D and D. That's true. Um, but I was just curious because 
you know how I would get rid of this is I would just have three people, four people casting enlarge reduce. It's going to burn through its legendary resistances pretty quickly. And it's still going to have advantage on the saves. But eventually we're going to get it down to, let's say, large or medium size. We're going to kick that fucker through a portal. Yeah. That I don't fight this by doing damage. I fight it by by plane shifting it out, right? Taking away its advantage and then yeah. capitalizing. Um, from the player's handbook. The effects of different spells added together uh, are added together while the durations of these spells overlap. The effects of the same spell cast multiple times don't combine, however. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, instead, the most potent effects, such as the highest bonus, from the castings apply uh, while their durations overlap. Okay. So, yeah, unfortunately, you can't shrink this thing. Okay. Yeah. Which, I mean, it has advantage on the saving throw to avoid that anyways. I just figure that if you've got enough guys with enough wands, you get all your NPCs to join you, 100 people are casting it around, maybe you can knock this thing down to small, but apparently not. No. So, okay. Dave, you're next. Uh, so I like the idea of these things being like the silent protector of the realm. They burrow deep underground, and when you know shit starts going weird, that's when they come back. When uh, a, a force becomes too powerful, when a wizard becomes too powerful, they come back up from the depths of the earth to restore balance. They're Godzilla. 100%. Yeah, yeah current Godzilla myth where we're restoring the earth to its balance. Yeah, it, it, just, yeah. it, it fits, right? They're going to come in, they're going to wreak havoc on your civilization, uh, and they're going to go away again. That's, it's just, it's a perfect fit And, for and the main point of power is the thing they are best against. They are awesome against magic. See, so, your thing was very similar to my thing. And my thing was simply, you guys go to a town, and you're going to stay there for a little while, and the rule is, nobody knows why. No one can remember why, but it's in the town charter. You do not use magic. In the town. Period. You just don't. And you drop little hits and pieces about the Tarrasque lore and how long it's been since it's been seen, so on and so forth, as well as how long it's been since this city was founded. Oh, it's been here for the last 400 years, and you know, but it was done by people with shorter lifespans, there's no elves or whatever, so you do not cast spells. But of course they're going to want to identify things, and they're going to want to heal up, and your guys will get behind closed doors and cast spells. Well, they've got 33 D20. Every time they cast a spell, you take the level of that spell and you take 33 and you minus that number. So if they use Cure Wounds, now they have 32 uses of magic left. If they use Fireball, now they have from 32 down to 29. When they hit zero, the Tarrasque Underground wakes up and you feel earthquakes and you feel tremors in the ground, and there's a sinkhole over there, and it's starting to move. And you have a set number of days, whatever metric you want to use, and then that town is gone because it crawls up from the dirt. Cool. That That's really awesome because there's not a lot of things you do with hit dice in this game, so throwing in like that little countdown thing on them is, is pretty badass. Yeah, so I was in save like... Don't use magic. Here's the balance, right? But the balance is directly in this location. Do not use magic to wake the Tarrasque. Yeah. The other thing that we don't have in this, which we had in previous editions, is when you reduce it to zero hit points, it goes back to slumber. Now you can actually kill it. Yeah. It also doesn't regenerate, which was is great because that was such a pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah, especially yeah. with... It's still immune to fire and poison, though. <laughs> 
Which yep. is definitely Can't a holdover from the days that it was regenerating. Can't win them all. No. Um, this feels to me like the Tarrasque is the is is the weapon that the gods send you after. They send you to go wake this thing up. The gods are doing it because they're not going to. Because this thing will kick a god's ass. Yep. A lot of gods. I mean, they're not going to kill... The, the key factor here is intelligence. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to win this. You need a strategy. It has no strategy. Yeah. Right? So, that's it. If if a man can defeat a bull, a god can defeat a Tarrasque. Yep. All right. So, uh, let's jump into the shout-out. Yeah. So, uh, we... Uh, what we're doing for the shout-outs... So, what we're doing uh, right now while... We are starting off year two. We are kind of reveling in this excitement, this this um, air of accomplishment for year one. It was a really great year for us. It was um, we 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 kind of stuck our necks out on the line on a couple things, and uh, you guys really, as the as a fan base, as audi- as the audience came out and supported us, and we want to uh, say thank you for that. Um, and one of the ways that we're moving forward here is we're doing a. A change with how we do our shoutouts. Um, before our shoutouts were uh, people we liked and people we were interested in. Now we want to know the people you are interested in and the people you like. Um, and so what we're doing is we're inviting you guys to write in to info at itsamimic.com and uh, that's or through the website which is www.itsamimic.com and you can uh, shout out and give us your, your shoutouts to people you know that listen that it's their birthday, your adventuring party, um, something else. We want to kind of give you guys as the fan base the power to uh, shout out who you want through our faces. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting way to put that, Dan. In, yeah. Yep. So, take our face holes. Take and, our face holes. And please and, your friends. And please your friends. Yeah. So... <laughs> Dave, Dave, Dave will go first. Dave, Puck, uh, Dave puckered. Yeah, he actually puckered. Yeah. Um, so this this is a just response to how great you guys have been over the past uh, year, and uh, and thank you. Yeah, and thank you. Right, like uh, from those who just listen and and don't comment to those who listen and comment to those who listen and donate. Um, we we love you all so very much. So thank you, and uh, we hope that you guys write in and give us your shoutouts. Now, keep in mind, we do record these a little bit in advance um, for our own sanity's sake when it comes to editing and everything. For so, Dan's sanity's sake. So keep this in mind when you're sending your uh, shoutouts. Like, don't send your shoutout two days before if you have a time frame you you want give us give us some lead so uh send us your guys' suggestions for shoutouts through the email or through the website um and again thank you for an awesome year one guys so guys as we wrap up this little what is it uh the uh this is not little this is the biggest thing we've the, the biggest thing we've ever done quite literally uh this is a little uh um triad of monsters so i want to get crackalackin on the kraken boo <laughs> <laughs> Don't support Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Dave. He's no still can, smiling to no this day. No one can see you roll your eyes, Dave. No one can see you smile broadly at the amazing humor that I just displayed. Anyways, so the Kraken is uh, probably the most familiar to the general populace of the monsters Release we just... Release the Kraken! Yeah, yeah, everybody go be Liam Neeson for just a moment when you get to play with these things. Um, I, I have played this game for a long time and I've only fought against a Kraken once. And it did not go well. Um, the 
The Kraken is a ancient beast that uh, hides beneath the waves. It's aquatic, but it can still breathe air just fine. So don't piss it off too much to make it climb out of its watery hole to destroy your city and your civilization, because it will. Um, this thing is evil incarnate. It is through and through uh, seeking destruction. Um, it loves the fact that people worship it. And um, this one's got an intelligence to it, right? It's, it is. Uh, as those imposters would say, wicked smart. It is wicked smart. Wicked smart. Um, it, it's got a 22 int. Like this thing is smarter than your average wizard, even. So, um, it is, it just breathes chaos and destruction wherever it goes. Um, they typically live underwater and attack ships, um, seeking to, um, just destroy what it is. These aren't like dragons where they want a horde. These aren't like, these things want for nothing but destruction. Now, this is the only one on our on our list today that actually has an alignment. The other two are unaligned, right? Yeah, it is chaotic evil. This one has an agenda. Yeah, it has an agenda and it is the total destruction of everything. Um, it is uh, occasionally will side with the uh, um the princes of the elemental uh, plane of water uh, to further its goals and and its ambitions of destruction. But for the most part, this thing is flying solo with an army of cults behind it. Um, there's a couple things to this. Not only do we have its normal stat blocks, but we've got layer actions for this guy too. Um, also, inside a, a Ghost of Saltmarsh, there is a juvenile version that is basically just what I will tell you now light. Uh, it's, it's like the diet version of? It's like the diet version of. It is a CR 14 to the normal Kraken's CR 23. So, hold on. All of the numbers are, are lessened, right? Yep. Does it have fewer actions? Like, does it go, does a multi-attack get hit? Um, it still has a multi-attack. It just it uses one less tentacle. It still has uh, this fling ability. It can't make storm clouds, but it could still harness lightning. Um, and it is not a siege monster like the Trask was and the normal Kraken is. Okay. Right, so it it there's there's a little bit less to it, but it is still a terrifying thing to it's fight. Still, it's still 14. CR fourteen, yeah. Especially when you consider where you're fighting these things for the most part. Oh, the environment is everything. The environment's everything. You're in the ocean, so not only are they CR twenty three, and their stats line up for it to be a CR twenty three creature. Now add the fact that you are moving at a quarter speed because you're swimming. And your weapons are rolling at disadvantage because you can't swing a sword underwater effectively. And it's sending waves at you. Yeah. So, anyways, we'll go through the um, stats of this thing real quick. It's got a okay armor. Um, its hit points are absolutely stacked. Um, funny enough, it's slow unless it's in the water, at which point it clocks. This thing moves. How fast? So, its normal land speed is 20 feet. Um, think of this uh, large tentacle it's still fish beast kind of pulling itself yeah. around. Um, but underwater, it moves 60 feet around. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, it shares a strength with the Tarrasque at 30. Um, it's dex, same as the Tarrasque as well, at 11. Um, it's con is slightly less of the Tarrasque, but it's got a 25 con, 22 int, 18 wisdom, and a 20 charisma. There's not a bad stat there. Not a single bad stat. When your worst stat is a Dex at 11, you're doing all right for yourself. Um, and its saving throws are through the roof. Does it is it get proficient. A save? Pardon? 
Does it get a dex save? It gets a dex save. It is proficient, quote unquote, in all of the saves. Holy shit. So it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it, it saves are absolutely ridiculous. What's the dex one though? A plus seven. So this thing has a plus seven to all base saves. So it's got a plus 17 strength, plus seven dex, plus 14 con, plus 13 int, and plus 11 saving throw. Jeez. What? Plus 11 saving throw? For, uh, for uh, everything but charisma is what it covers here. So got strength, dex, con, int, wisdom. Does not have advantage on, or does not have any additions to its charisma saving throw. Okay. So there is a little bit of a misprint issue when it comes to the Kraken that we discovered while recording this. Um, your saving throws might vary a little bit between uh, 17 in some of the newer books to 18 in the older books for your strength saving throw. Yeah, in the older books, each one of the saves is one higher. Higher. Yeah. And it's it's so bizarre that that, that got weirdly changed and there's no mention of it anywhere. No mention. Yeah, of everything it else looks the same as well. It's so strange. Cool. Yeah. So just just a little heads up. If our numbers don't line up with yours, they, you have a misprint. Yeah. Yeah, we're running off newer versions of the monster manuals as well. So yeah. um if if you have them, check it out. It's it's interesting. Anyways, I'm gonna keep going. Um they're immune to uh lightning. Bludgeoning, piercing, slashing from non-magical attacks. So lightning and their normal physical attacks that are non-magical, which, I mean, tracks. Uh, in terms of condition immunities, they're only immune to frightened and paralyzed, which means you can still stun these things. You can charm them. Um, they're, they're fairly cool that way. One of the cool things that uh, is mentioned here, they have true sight of 120 feet. So screw your illusions, I guess. Yep. Yep. They'll see right through that. Um, they have a decent passive perception at uh, 14, and they understand abyssal, celestial, infernal, and primordial, but don't speak. However, they do have a 120 foot telepath- telepathic range. So this means that it can communicate with its cultists, and you and the cultists don't speak common when they pray to it. Yep. That's that's pretty cool. I would have the cultist speaking primordial. I would too. That makes perfect sense. More so than the abyssal celestial. Specifically, Aquin. That dialect. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like gurgling noises is is what I would do. There's blowing bubbles. Yeah, uh, and bubbles is so happy about it. Look, the look on his face is just. I was is going. That what we're calling Terry now. I was actually <laughs> going to point uh, everyone towards the Call of Cthulhu series we did, where you, Adam, actually did like some cult chants. That were kind of bubbly sounding. Yeah. Go take a listen to the Call of Cthulhu stuff we did a while ago and um, kind of get the inspiration from there. Because I was thoroughly impressed and creeped out when you recorded those for us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Anyways, uh, they're amphibious. They could breathe air and water. Um, and they have uh, freedom of movement, which means they straight up ignore difficult terrain and magic can't reduce to speed or cause it to be restrained. Um, it can spend five feet of movement to escape. Um, from any non-magical uh, restraints or uh, being grappled. So it can always escape anything that is... Just by spending five feet of movement. Weird. Yep. Well, I guess you're not going to put it inside like an iron box big enough to hold it, right? And it's going to not have bones so because it's an invertebrate. Yep. So it's going to just be able to squeeze through, right? Well, this thing is basically if a dragon and a squid had a baby. Yeah, a squidron. Yeah, but a super angry, huge baby. 
Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, the Kraken is a siege monster, which is that dealing double damage to um, objects and structures. Do you guys ever play with that? Do you sit there and say, hey, there's how many hit points this pillar has? For a Kraken, yes, because it is tearing boats apart. Yeah, I would for boats and ships, now thanks to uh, Ghost of Saltmarsh, have stats, stats, right? And so, and you can kind of extrapolate because of Avernus as well for some of their infernal um, machines and whatnot. So, but. Like there, there is, there is, uh, in the DMG, wall. in the DMG, there are stats for, you know, yeah. walls and thicknesses and but, stuff like but that. But do you dig into that or you just say it has to hit it three times and then it turns it apart? I would. Yeah. It like cut damaging the, the, the mass down, damaging the like hardness and, and tracking like this section of the wall has this many hit points left. That is just way too much math for my little DM brain. So, so, so what I what I would do ahead of time is just say, hey, look, what's the average hit? You know, how it says, oh, it does fifty six damage, and then the like three D whatever, right? Yeah. So what I would do is I would take that average and say how many ahead of time of my prep, how many hit points does this thing have? Yeah. It's going to do the average of this when it hits. Therefore, I'm only rolling to hit, and there can be six or seven or whatever number of hits before this object or or building is destroyed. I, I, I'm with you on that one, but this thing has a plus 17 to hit with its bite and a plus 17 to hit with one of its tentacles. Yep. This thing is hitting no matter what. So I would just do simply, if it hits a section of wall three times or um, once and then grapples it, it's coming down. Yeah, I would still I would still run the math for consistency's sake, right? Fair just, enough. Just because if I'm on a boat, I'm not just smash boat. I'm ripping the mast off. I'm crashing into the crew quarters. I'm ripping off the rudder. Yeah. Like, and, and well, that, that, be- that's just like have maybe a, a, a logical uh, progression of steps of what it takes, a, a, what it removes before it tears it apart. Well, I, right. Again, I'm, I want, I want that specificity. Okay. I want it to be. If you're going to run into the Kraken more than once, if you run into a level 12 and a level 15 and a level 19, right? And you just, like, it's coming. You see it destroy that ship over there. Yeah. And this is how it does it. Three tentacles have to wrap around the mast to rip it off. So, therefore, it takes Exactly. Tentacles, yeah. Right? No. So, whatever that is, and the math will tell you what to do with sure. it. Um, anyways, so, moving on to actions. It's got multi-attack, which is when it can make three tentacles. Tentacle attacks, um, which you can replace any one of them with a fling. I think that it should actually do 10 attacks around, but only do one damage, so you get 10 tickles. 10 tickles. 10 tentacles. That's. Never mind. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> anyway, so it, uh, as I said earlier, it's got a plus seven uh, with its bite attack, it's got a plus 17 to hit, a uh, reach of five feet. Which is weird for the size of creature that this is. Well, yeah, it's the, not it's very the, far. It, it's the bite, though, right? The tentacles it's, reach longer. Yeah. Um, it's with one target, does 3d8 plus 10 piercing damage. Now, if the creature is large or smaller, uh, it is automatically grappled and swallowed. And then the grapple ends in one bite. There's no swallow, quote unquote, mechanic. It is just if it bites you and you are large or smaller and it hits. You're swallowed. Earlier I said I like the Tarasks, um swallow mechanic better because it does give you the opportunity. It's not a great opportunity. No. But it does give you an opportunity, and I think the acid damage makes a little bit more sense than the swallow mechanic for the mm-hmm. Kraken. But I, I like the – if I'm going to homebrew a swallow mechanic onto a creature, it'll be the Tarask version, not the Kraken version. The ability to do what you just said is special to the Kraken. It is, and it gets – 
worse. Uh, while in there, you're going to be taking uh, 12d6 acid damage, which is a little bit less than the uh, Tarask. Um, if you do 50 or more damage from a creature, it uh, vomits, but it must succeed on a DC 25 constitution save throw as oh. compared to the 20 a Tarask has to make. Yikes. Yep. And this thing has a plus 14 to con. Yikes. So it has to roll a 6 or lower to not throw up. Yep. So if it swallows you, there you shall be. It's just that the chances of you getting out are minuscule. However, it doesn't have the same thing like the Astral Dreadnought had where it takes a wish spell to get out of its stomach. You could try to dim door or something out, but yikes, that's still really, really powerful. Um, now, it's tentacles, which, I mean, if you've bought the miniature for this thing, it comes with movable tentacles that it's you can move around. not really miniature, is it? No, no, it's, yeah. it's huge. Uh, gargantuan, even. Um, anyways, so... As its action, you can take, uh, as its tentacle attack is an, again plus 17 to hit with a reach of 30. Um, it does 3d6 plus 10, 10 bludgeoning damage, and then the target is grappled with an escape DC of 18. The Kraken comes stuck with 10 tentacles. So there you go, Adam. There's your 10 tentacles. I don't get our tickles. Each of which can grapple a target. Now, also, it can fling, which. Hold on. Fling. Which I'm pretty sure the basic mechanic for fling is you fall in love over a weekend and then never speak again. No, this could also be called by the younger generation yeet. Oh, 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 I get it. Oh, Dave just got fucking angry. <laughs> I don't so, like you. So, uh, this is, you have a theme now, like you have a catchphrase, is that I don't like you. Because you, no one can see your, like, physical facial reactions on this. And so, like, the one you give me right now is like, uh-huh, yeah, fuck you, bud. But, but <laughs> that's because I don't like you. Yeah, and there we go. And then you, you pop up a little bit later with, I don't like you. I'm going to get that on a t-shirt for you. Yeah. It's going to be like mine. God damn it, Dan. So really, you're coming out ahead on this one. God damn it, Dan. I don't like you. <laughs> you do. All right. Anyways, so uh, as an attack, the Kraken can yeet or fling one large or smaller object or creature that is grappled up to 60 feet in a random direction. I'm going to change that in your monster. Man. <laughs> do not yeet. write in the book. Um if a thrown target strikes a solid surface, I love that this is here. I would put this in more things. If you are thrown more than 10 feet, you take damage. Um, oh, that's you, a high runner. So if you are thrown more than 10 feet, you take 1d6 for every 10 feet you were thrown. It's Basically, like the fall rules. It's fall rules. You fall sideways. It's, it's horizontal fall rules. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you are thrown into another creature, that other creature must succeed on uh, DC 18 dex save or take the same damage and be knocked from. Yep. Yep. Um, it can also summon a lightning storm as an action. This is not rechargeable. This is something it could do every single turn. The Kraken summons three lightning bolts, which can hit any target it can see within... <laughs> any target it can see within 120 feet of it. Would you like a bottle of water? <laughs> a bottle of water. Bottle of water. A bottle of water. Any target I could see was just, was just it was one word. <laughs> All right, keep going. Um, that wow! Uh, any target that it hits with the lightning bolt has to make a uh, twenty-three dex save or take forty ten lightning damage. Good lord! 
This is this thing still has layer actions and regional effects as yep. well, and legendary actions that we haven't hit. Yep. So it's just hitting with tentacles now, throwing people around. The lightning storm is what it can do instead of its multi attack. Instead of its multi attack, right? Yeah, it's like a dragon's is- breath weapon. You don't get to hit with tentacles and this in a round. Yes. So, but yeah. this is also unlike a dragon's breath attack. Not rechargeable. This just, you can do. Yeah, it do, just hits, yeah. Right? There's no re-rolling a five or six to see what happens. You could just do this every turn, right? And with a creature who is telepathic to 120 feet. It knows you're there. It knows you're there, and it's going to hit you. Right? Um, I also like that it's telepathic, but it like its base language is going to be Aquan, right? So you just hear the sound of bubbling in your mind, and then lightning hits you. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yep. Um, anyway, so now we're moving on to its legendary actions. Um, it could make a tentacle attack or a fling as a legendary action. Um, it can summon one of its lightning storms as a legendary action. Or, while underwater, it could blow all of its legendary actions for that round to create an ink cloud. Um, it's a 60-foot cloud that spreads around corners. Anything inside that area is heavily obscured to all creatures except the Kraken. Uh, each creature must then take a uh, constitution saving throw or take a handful of d10s uh, for poison damage on a failed save or half as much on a successful one any strong current disperses the cloud which otherwise disappears at the end of the kraken's next turn it's not a 60 foot cloud it's a 60 foot radius a 60 foot radius cloud so 120 foot diameter cloud that's huge yeah that's your battle map Oh, I mean, that's what it can true see. Yeah. Right? Everything is black. Just everything. Everything. Everything is black. It's nuts. I. It sees a red door, and it wants to paint it black. Yep. Um, no colors anymore. It wants to paint it black. I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we're going to move on to the layer actions and regional actions of the Kraken, which, I mean, it could summon a strong current which requires a DC 23 saving throw or be pushed up to 60 feet away. Um, if you succeed on the throw, you're still pushed 10 feet. Yeah, you want to get hit by tidal wave, right? Like, yeah. It's rogue wave, sure. Yep. This is on initiative count 20, like like standard layer actions. Like standard layer yeah. actions, yeah. Um, creatures in the water within 60 feet of it also have vulnerability to lightning damage. Which means you're taking double lightning and it casts lightning storm. Yep. Possibly twice in a round. Yep. Yep. Cool. Um, and how does this work if you have resistance? This just nullifies your resistance, right? It kind of like disadvantage advantage. Uh, yes. You would I, just take full damage, but not double damage. I think that it's like a table that you move up and down, like a ladder you move up and down. So if it was resistance, if you're already vulnerable, nothing happens. If you're normal, you become vulnerable. If you're resistant, you go to normal. Yeah, if you're okay. immune, you become resistant. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, the water in its lair can also become charged uh, with electric energy, causing all creatures within 120 feet of the Kraken to make a constitution saving throw or take lightning damage. Yeah, how much lightning damage? 3d6. Yeah. Not much, but... Doesn't matter, you're still getting hit with lightning, 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 lightning. And it's lightning, all lightning. creatures within 120 feet. Yeah. But aren't you also immune, so it's really like taking more than that? Yeah. Or you're vulnerable. You're, you're, you're vulnerable. vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, so it's, like, it's, it's right. like taking 66. Yeah. Like, God damn. And, and guess what, guys? Regional effects. Yeah, now there's regional effects. Um, I think there's a reason why the dice chose for this guy to go last. There's a lot to him. Um, the Kraken can alter the weather at will within a six-mile radius. Um, to be a 
control weather spell, but let's be honest, this guy's just summoning lightning storms. Right? This guy ain't making it a bright, clear, sunny day outside. He's he's making it rain. Just stacks of cash. Just stacks of very wet, rain-drenched cash. Yes. Um, you can also, like we saw with uh, red dragons and, and se- several of the other um, ancient dragons, he can cause uh, elementals to uh, coalesce within six miles of his lair. Um, these ones, of course, are water elementals, and they are fairly intelli- uh, fairly uh, unintelligent. They are just mindless Elementals that are wandering around destroying. Yeah, their intelligence and charisma are dropped, right? To one. Okay, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Um, also, a uh, little, little bit of Aquaman stuff here. Any aquatic creature within six miles that has an intelligence score of two or lower are charmed and aggressive towards intruders in his area. Cool. Hold on. I'm flipping to it. I want to see if what they give us in the monster manual that yeah. can be hit by that. So you keep going. So, um... Of course, when the Kraken dies, all of these regional effects, and this is different from your dragons, because usually it takes some amount of days for these effects to clear with a dragon, these end immediately. The Kraken dies, this is done. Right? So, this guy's a monstrosity. He's, he's, and like, I mean that not just as a category, like, he's just a beast. Uh, Also not the category. Also not the category. So, um... Well, are you, you got the list there? Oh, I'm trying to flip to find aquatic creatures. I'm, and so far, nothing. Oh, I'm sure you're standard trout. Oh, sure, absolutely. Like, giant crab, so far, is one. There are very Crocodile. few. Crocodile. Crocodile is not aquatic. It's not, I mean, it lives in the water, but holds its breath. It's not amphibious, can't breathe water. So, it's not an aquatic creature. By D&D rules. Giant octopus has an int that's too high. Uh, it's got an intelligence of four. Pretty much giant seahorse. It can hit giant seahorses, giant sharks as well. Um, uh, let's see. Just you get stuck with all the giant uh, hunter sharks is good. Killer whales are too intelligent. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, octopus is too intelligent. Yep. Quippers definitely. Reef sharks. Yes. Uh, this is the Basically. most inter- seahorses. Yes. I'm starting to get into swarms. Swarm equipper, yes. Um, I just like if it's that's it. The thing about this that I love is that it's all aquatic animals. So you're going through the monster manual. These are things that can eat you. Yeah. Well, and, and seahorses. And seahorses, right? But I just, I just see you getting within six miles of the kraken, and like, oh, cod are jumping out and like slapping you with their tails. I got one for you. Awakened seaweed. Yikes. Yikes. That hard no. Someone who has trouble with water stuff, hard no. Cool. <laughs> Anyways, let's grab our dice. Let's try to think one interesting uh, usage or uh, what was the phrasing? Fuck. Set piece encounter. One useful set piece encounter of the Kraken. Sure. Got a 17. I also got a 17. Oh, let's re-roll. 17 coming in last. Seven. Bullshit. All right, so fuck. Dave, you're up first. No, I am. Dan, you're up first. Eight yep. is higher than seven. Yeah. I thought you rolled to the green one. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, 
Adam, I'm, I'm, I'm straight going to pilfer from the encounter that I had with this guy, which oh, I thought sure. was a great encounter. Yeah, yeah, thank you. There was a sunken city, and the Kraken was living in the lower regions of the city. Yeah, the sewers and beneath And the sewers the beneath it. And there were holes that had popped up throughout the city. And we had engineered uh, with our party a way that we could breathe underwater and move through. So it was like we spent a couple sessions moving through this underwater city. And all of a sudden, these tentacles started popping up through these holes and rifts that had you know, formed when the city sank to the bottom of this lake. Um, and we were just getting harried by tentacles as this thing was attacking us. And we would get like rumbling bubbles in our minds as we were moving. And we were, of course, we're all on a time frame. So we're rushing through, not understanding what's going on. And then we get to this one part and bursting out of the, out of the ground in this, uh, you know, sunken city. I think we were in like a, uh, a courtyard of something, like a park, uh, but under, Water. It, yeah, there there was a space between the the outer wall and the inner walls where there was a, an area where you had to like check in, yeah, and get, make sure that you like registered at the city and whatnot. So you were in this big courtyard area, yeah. And the kraken was down there, and we had to fight him, and we were not nearly powerful enough, so we ended up distracting him with something. I forget exactly how this encounter ended. You ran, you just ran, yeah, and it chased you, and an NPC. Um, a uh, uh, water genasi and druid, yeah. yeah, had to fuck off and pull and like get away from this thing. And you guys fought it and fought it and fought it, and then it died. And then, it, as it was chasing him around, yeah. And then it raised as a zombie kraken. Yeah, 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 yeah. Our campaign's interesting. Anyways, so uh, having this thing use guerrilla tactics on top of everything else that it has, like thump its chest. Not gorilla. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, was terrifying. Was a series of encounters I will remember for years to come. Like it was, it was a great usage of this, of this guy. Um, I mean, he's, I, you would have to bend your campaign heavily, I think, to be a big bad evil guy with the Kraken. Yeah, look, the Tarrasque and the Astral Dreadnought can appear for an encounter. Yeah. With a little bit of warning. The Tarras could do three or four, but they're not the big bad evil guy. No, the Kraken might be. You think the Kraken might be the big bad evil guy? With its intelligence of 22 and the ability to have cults as well as raise its young, yes, it absolutely can. Cool. Anyways, that's me. Dave, what you got? Uh, I like the idea of having this thing need your help. Uh, I like the idea of swapping the roles of the big bad guy, and maybe you have to help him out. Maybe this thing got frozen in the ice, you know, during the last ice age, and you have to help it. Uh, and it's psychically but yeah, yeah, you get close. Maybe you're all tritons just to pick the low-hanging fruit. And you came within six miles of this. and you're no, Cleric's a Kuatoa. It, it was, <laughs> you know, it, it's been talking to you telepathically to try to get you to figure out some sort of way to get it back to the ocean where it wants to be. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get it. I like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with it. Yeah. Um... I if I really want you don't all have to be Tritons, but you could definitely take one of your regular players and just they would say, Hey, you know what I want to take a level of warlock. I'm thinking great old one, you go, hold on, I've got a thing for you. And it's a Kraken. And the Kraken's communicating psychically. For whatever reason, it's in a magical amplification area that it can yeah, yeah. can can hit with this. So I and I would take that to 
I would ramp that up to the next level and give the warlock, right? The the cult of the Kraken. Yep. So that brings me to my set piece encounter. My set piece encounter is a slow build. You want I'm talking tier end of tier three. You guys are doing some island hopping. You're out in the coast and uh, shit has gone strangely weird um, with a couple of the islands out here. The trade ships are not getting through anymore and you're tasked with figuring this out. And once you do, you get, I don't know, the MacGuffin, the item you need from the prince. Just go over there and, and figure this shit out. And so when you go out and you find that everyone's acting a little bit weird, everyone's all kind of just wet all the time. Yeah. And it's the slow cult of the Kraken buildup to the end where you realize that there's a juvenile Kraken and you kill it. Right, because it's CR fourteen. There you go. Whatever, that's fine. My set piece encounter is you at the top of a lighthouse, as the kraken, the mother kraken, is climbing up out of the water and up the lighthouse at you, and you guys are in the top of the lighthouse fighting it as the tentacles are smashing in through windows, and it is a siege monster trying to tear this massive. Maybe the lighthouse was built by storm giants, right? But it is pulling the bricks out of this thing and it is a huge um, a huge literal set piece that you are in and the Kraken is climbing it to get at you to enact its revenge and so it's out of the water it's not getting all of its crazy lair water shit it, it can still hit you with lightning but you're not in the water so you're not vulnerable to it that's why I'm saying end of tier 3 because I'm kind of neutering a couple of its abilities mm-hmm. but it is still going to fling you from the lighthouse that is what I want to see for a level 15 part. You've got enough hit points to land in the water. Now you're fucked, right? Yeah. But, but still, that's how I would play a Kraken. Your entire party is like staying inside because they don't want to get hit by lightning. Yeah, and they're blasting their level uh, 7 and 8 spells and like throwing shit. Just, we don't have anything. Use a cannon. We don't have cannonballs. No, throw the cannon. <laughs> Push it. Right? Like you're doing whatever you can to knock this thing away. Yeah. Um, and maybe you have an NPC that's slowly opening up a portal for you to escape, right? But they need the 10-minute ritual. You're on minute eight, and this thing starts climbing. What are you going to do to stall it? How are you going to get through this? Ticking right. ticking clock, right? You have 20 rounds. Survive. Yeah. Oof. You won't. <laughs> Nothing lasts 20 rounds. No. But, I mean, maybe the cultists are banging at the door coming in at first, and then for the last five rounds, the Kraken is there. Yeah. Right? So, anyway, that's that was my set piece encounter. Nice. Okay. So, and of course, it's raining. Like, like storm, hurricane, oh, rain, yes. and shit. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and the area is lit. I mean, you're in a lighthouse, but let's be honest, it's out. And you're using the spot where the, the flame is for the lighthouse to summon this portal out. So it's like dead center. And the entire battle is lit by the crashes of lightning. I, no, no, I, I like it. I, I'm with you for the cultists part of it. Um, and the cultists are like coming up the stairs and they're throwing tri- uh, tridents and stuff. And I could, and then finally the, the guy doing the ritual says, I need to be able to have consistent light. Light the lighthouse. And you light it and it spins and you can see the Kraken moving beneath the waves as it comes every other round. You get an idea of how much closer it is. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, th- this is fun. I want to do this now. My, I, my nipples are so hard. I'm just so fucking excited. Is there anything else that we want to talk about here? Definitely not your nipples. Really? Definitely not his nipples. Okay, I'll I, go with that. I, mean, I, I could use ten tickles. 
<laughs> Dave, you're still technically just above intern. That's your responsibility. Anyways, Adam. Anyways. <laughs> some milk in that coffee, bitch. <laughs> anyway, that's it for this week's episode on Monstrosities. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify and dozens of other podcast apps. You can also find us at www.itsamimic.com or email us at info at itsamimic.com. Thanks for listening to the It's a Mimic podcast, and make sure to check us out next week when we're discussing heroic destinies of player characters. That means we're going to go over the mechanics and how we would tweak them, much like my nipples, for alignments, honor, and sanity rules. Most of the freaking monstrosities are all just like mashed together amalgamations of parts of beasts and, and you know, the chimera is one, the manticore is another one. They're just smashing shit together, yeah. right? Like the hydra isn't even different beasts. It's the same beast multiple times, right? Like it's not, I'm not overwhelmed by the general monstrosities. Like, oh, we'll put a crab back on this and a turtle beak over here. And it's like, it's like God's grab bag of, of animal parts. Yeah. It's how we came up with the platypus. The platypus is the only real monstrosity that exists in reality because it's just smashed together bits and pieces of other fucking animals. And by the way, it's got venom. Sure, it does. Fuck, whatever. Anyway, if you guys... I got a question, though. If you guys could add one real animal ability or body part to yourselves in real life, what would it be? Do to roll? Yeah, let's roll. Well, Dave and I are rolling off. Come on. Oh, you got two fives in a row. All right, Dan, you're up first. What do you got? Okay, uh, any... Whale penis. Cross my mind. <laughs> I want to be a sperm whale. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I don't know, man. Like, I'm already big, already strong. So, like, the idea of adding, like, just something to increase strength. Do you want, like, a horse's mane? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice, wouldn't it? That, that would be, that would, yeah, that would actually, hair. Yeah, can I, can I just have... I don't know. An a Italian, rabbit? Like a an, hair? An Italian's hair or something like this. No, don't pick people by races, Dan. It's like, <laughs> God, fuck you racist <laughs> piece of shit. Um, uh, I don't know, man. Like, I want a tail. Like, I wouldn't mind, like, a, a like prehensile, a prehensile you want to tail. I want to be able to do shit with the tail. You're not talking scorpion tail. You're talking monkey tail. I'm talking monkey tail. Yeah. Like, there was a, there was a little thought of me going, okay, scorpion, maybe, like, stingray. Or, or, like, freaking go porcupine with it and just throw quills at things. But... They don't shoot quills, right? They just hit you and then unclench around the quill? No, they're able to shoot the quills. I don't know. You're both looking at me. That's because you're the hunter. I don't hunt porcupines. Why not? Hedgehog. Because they can shoot quills at you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Dave, what, what, what's yours? You know, the one thing that I really absolutely despise about everyday life is when you get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and you're walking through your dark room and you stub a toe. I want cloven hooves for feet. Okay, right? you went. Uh, you, you took a hard left. I'm like, 
You want the ability to see in the dark. Yeah, that makes good. No, no, no. no. <laughs> you want cloven feet. Yeah, I want to not hurt myself when I stub my toe at three in the morning. And I want to be really good at climbing rock walls without my hands. Dude, that's badass. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Dan. <laughs> right? Like, come on, is that a bad answer? No, no it's no, not. It's it's great. Great. It, it was just a left turn because yeah, wake right. up at three o'clock in the morning stumbling through a thing. I'm like, dark vision. Cool. I, you know what I want? I want the ability to swivel my head around like an owl. And I want to be the only person that can do it. What? <laughs> yeah, and I just want to be able to like look at somebody behind me and freak them out. I also want to be like, oh man, my neck is so stiff. And then crack, 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 crack. And suddenly it's on backwards. Like I try. <laughs> that's why like, I'm only going to use my powers to annoy people. <laughs> so that's, no one is surprised. <laughs> Adam doesn't have the eyes on the back of his head. His head just turns around. <laughs> and who are you? Thank you for listening to an It's a Mimic production. <laughs> okay, you're done. Get it. <laughs>